Welcome to 4,000 Weeks, the weekly audio dispatch from 4kweeks.com. This is the audio version of our email newsletter. And if you'd like to subscribe, describe, if you'd like to describe, no, if you'd like to subscribe to the newsletter, you can do so at the bottom of the page on 4kweeks.com. You might want to do that to get uh, a little bit more of the information that I send out in the newsletters, all the links and everything to the, the books and the remarkable weeks and stuff like that, and also the occasional discount. But let's dive into it. The first thing that I owe you is the dad joke of the week. And we, I still haven't discovered what you call the first part of a joke. I know that the second part is a punchline, but please email me if you know what to call the first part. So the joke of the week. Why couldn't the art dealer pay his rent? And we'll get to the punchline at the end. It is week five of 2024. Week five has arrived. One week has passed and another week has taken the stage. Same as the ebb and flow of the latest star and starlet on the stage. We shine bright in the sun for an instant. Make sure you look around and enjoy it. That's a pretty good lyric. I think I've heard that in a song somewhere. We shine bright in the sun for an instant. And I know that I stole Make Sure You Look Around and Enjoy It from Ferris Bueller. It's time for you to walk over to your 4K Weeks poster and fill in another square. Are you done? All right. Away we go. Let's dive into the remarkable weeks for this week, week five of 2024. Week five of 2004, Mark Zuckerberg launches Facebook right inside his Harvard dormitory room. I wonder what the dorms at Harvard are like. Today, his net worth is around $75 billion, which isn't a good thing or a bad thing. It just is a truth. I think it's important when we talk about large numbers that are controlled by certain people to remember that wealth is not an inherent good. The jury is actually still out on whether or not Facebook was a net positive or a net negative for the world. I sure do love Facebook Marketplace. I'm not sure about the rest of it. Mark Zuckerberg was 1,029.29 weeks old when he launched Facebook, 19.74 years. Much like the child of a, of a Hollywood star, it must have been weird to grow up being the head of Facebook. Week five of 2015, Lydia Ko achieves a historic milestone of being the youngest golfer to ever be ranked number one worldwide. During her amateur career, she was continuously top, the top-ranked woman amateur golfer for an impressive 130 weeks. She was, and I think this is one of the youngest remarkable weeks so far, she was 927.29 weeks old, or about 17.78 years. Golf. Golf is a sport that I don't understand. I'll just leave that there. Week five of 1968. Eddie Adams, a photographer, immortalizes the execution of Viet Cong officer Nguyen Van Lem by police chief Nguyen Nok Lan. The photo later became enduring war icon, enduring anti-war icon. Sorry, as I said that, I was thinking to myself about the similarities of those two humans. They thought, obviously, that they were vastly different. But their first name, which I believe is the surname in Asian cultures, Nagoyan, is the same. It's like John Schubert and Tim Schubert being on the opposite sides of that exchange. It's insane to me. The photo later became an enduring anti-war icon. And I have to say that... Um, I have a few memories of my childhood of being in the library at the school that I went to and seeing books. 
And seeing this photo when I was in elementary school was one moment in a bucket full of moments that marked the end of my childhood. Eddie Adams was 1,807 weeks old, or 34.66 years. And I guess I should add for context that there was another photo that I saw, in the, I think it was the same book, and it's the photo of the young woman running from a napalm bombing. Um, it's, a, it's a black and white photo of um, a whole group of Vietnamese people running towards the camera. I think it's towards the camera. It may be across the camera. And there is a young woman naked running in terror because... She has been bombed with napalm and she tore her clothes off because napalm is sticky and burns. You should listen to the uh, invention of napalm. I think it's in um, Cautionary Tales podcast from the first season. Uh, it, it was invented during World War II because Japanese cities were made of wood and paper. And so they wanted the stickiest, most flammable thing. Um and that photo, too, the, the reason that photo, sorry, I'm going on about this, but it's important. The reason that photo stuck with me when I was a, that age is because at that age, one of the most humiliating things you can imagine is being naked in front of your classmates. And yet this young girl is running naked down a street with a whole bunch of other people because she's just terrified and in fear for her life. And when I was young... You know, I grew up in the, one of the calmest periods in one of the calmest places in the history of humanity. It was nearly unfathomable to think what that must have been like. Okay, that's a heavy way to end Remarkable Weeks. But thank you, Eddie Adams, for bringing to light that horrible event. This week's quote, this week's quote is from Thomas Edison. And I'm going to read it to you twice. And I bet you've heard it before. Opportunity is missed by most because it is dressed in overalls and looks like work. Opportunity is missed by most because it is dressed in overalls and looks like work. Now, Thomas Edison, like most historical figures, nuanced um, some good and some bad. But here's the truth. Thomas Edison was born to a fairly well-to-do family. And I think about this a lot. My family wasn't wealthy by any stretch of the imagination, but my parents loved each other. They valued knowledge. They worked hard and they provided a stable home, a stable home where effort was rewarded. And our, our little world seemed fair when I was young. And, you know, we grew up in the middle of the United States in the late 70s and the 80s and 90s, which was a time of incredible stability looking back. Um, but I think the important part of that is that my little world seemed like a fair place when I was young. It was a safe nest to grow up in. And, um, and it seems like Thomas Edison grew up in a very similar situation, if, if not even more wealthy, to read the, the history. And a, a sidebar that relates to this, and I'm going to get back to the opportunity is missed by most part of this quote. But I think context is important. The sidebar is, do, have you ever heard of this, the Stanford marshmallow experiment? So this is an experiment done in Stanford on um, elementary school, or young kids, preschool kids. And they told the preschoolers, look, here's the deal. I'm going to leave the room. There's a pretzel in front of you. And if you don't eat the pretzel for 15 minutes, when I come back, you can choose your favorite snack 
you know, marshmallows, candy, pretzels, whatever. But if you eat the pretzel, you don't get anything else. And so they did this experiment with these kids and the kids who delayed eating the pretzel when revisited later in life had higher outcomes, higher test scores, higher levels of achievement, higher uh, annual incomes. Every, on every metric, the people who, the kids who had delayed gratification for the marshmallow at the end had higher levels of achievement. But someone long ago, and I've forgotten who, made me think about that differently because I used to think about that, oh, well, you want to teach your kids to delay, you know, blah, 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 and that's how they'll be successful and et cetera, et cetera. But someone long ago made me think about it this way. If your childhood was a world where things were fair and you expect the researcher to honor their word, then of course you should wait because you trust that the adult is going to do what they said that they were going to do and that the world is fair. And in a fair world, if someone promises you that if you don't eat the pretzel, you can have the marshmallow, then you get the marshmallow. But if your childhood was full of instability, and if your childhood was full of intentionally or unintentionally because of poverty, broken promises, then a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush and eat the pretzel right here because who knows if the researcher is going to come back and bring the, the marshmallow. And that totally changed the lesson of that experiment for me. The lesson of... Um, people, children of wealthy families can trust that what is being told to them is true and that the world is fair. And it's a lot easier to achieve things if you can trust that the world is fair. And so it's just silly not to admit that all of the stuff that happens to you from negative nine months old to 18 years is not a strong influence on your ability to succeed. Like we have to acknowledge that one of the reasons Thomas Edison could become Thomas Edison was because he grew up in a safe place with love and support. And so the reason I mention all of that is that I just want to acknowledge the truth that it is easier for some people to succeed than others. And maybe it was easier for me to succeed. Maybe. I'm a lucky dude. Got to acknowledge it. But, and here is the big but of that context, all of that context. I don't know how to do it any other way. The fact is, is that the only thing that has ever worked for me other than being born white male and middle class in the modern United States is hard work. The, the, only, the only common denominator for every success that I have ever had is my hard work. It's true. I've worked hard on things that didn't pan out. I've worked hard on things that did pan out. The only unifying theme in my life that I have benefited from and that I have learned that I benefited from and learned to love is hard work. Most kinds of hard work. I don't love all of them. And so I want to say this, I'm going to speak to two different versions of the people out there right now. If you are a person who has grown up in relative stability with all of your needs being met, acknowledge that you are lucky in that regard and don't judge someone else's efforts and results by your efforts and results. That's the first thing I want to say. For those of us out there who were lucky, give everyone else a break and keep working hard. And then I want to look to, I want to talk to the people who weren't as lucky. And I want to say that sucks. Um, neither one of us got to choose it. 
right? None of us gets to choose where we, which straw we draw in the birth lottery. But I will tell you that I believe that the universe wants you to succeed. And when I say the universe, I mean all of the molecules in space and all of the people that you are surrounded with, surrounded by. And so give hard work a try for months and years and see if it doesn't pay off. That's the quote of the week. Actually, that was mostly a soapbox by me. Hopefully you will forgive it. Um, Well, hopefully you're here because you think it's interesting. What I am consuming this week, I changed things up in the email this week because um, I don't have a way of knowing what people are interested in in the email. I mean, you know, if you click on a link, I see it. But other than that, I don't know if people read the sections. And so I don't know if people enjoy reading what I'm consuming this week. And so I left it out. What I included this week instead was a photo of my 4K Weeks poster. So I, we purchased 4K Weeks, the brand, the company, about a year and a half ago. And a year before that, I had purchased a 4K Weeks poster. And so um, if you look, um, I'll post it to the Instagram page too so that you can see it. Um, but you can see it if you get the newsletter. And if you look close, you can see um, I'm about... I'm 46 years old, 46 and a half years old. So my poster, my 100-year poster, is a little bit less than halfway filled in. And you can see in the bottom right-hand corner, one square, lonely, colored in gold. And that is the week of my dad's life that he died, which was in early December, or no, late December of this last year. And so he was just shy of 88 years old. He would have been 88 um, about a week ago. And I, the reason I colored that in is because, you know, this, this poster is a heuristic, right? It's a, it's a visual that helps us make sense of the fact that time is disappearing in a fairly striking way. And so when you look at it, you're making some assumptions. You're making an assumption that there's a chance that you can live to be 100 years or 125 years or 88 years, depending on which version of the poster you have. And then you're seeing colored in what you have already lived. So your, your mind is assuming that you if everything goes well, you have the full amount of the blank squares left to live. Well, my dad is my closest male relative. He is the closest genetic um, avatar I have to point out with regard to my longevity. And so I thought I needed to be honest with myself about his lifespan on my poster. So I colored in the week in his life that he died so that I could see that. And I think I kind of have to Look, I believe in being honest with myself. I'm not good at it all the time, but I do believe that I want to know the truth, however uncomfortable it is. And I think that that's a valuable skill to develop. And so when I looked at my poster, I wanted to be able to see, well, that's where my dad died. So anything after that, I have to consider bonus round. Anything after the death of my dad that I live has got to be bonus. So um, the reason I put that in the email is because I want to see your 4K Weeks posters. I, want the, I know, you know, Peter Atia circled the weeks that his kids will go to college because he knows that time is precious and limited with them. And I think that's incredibly interesting. And I talked to somebody last week who colors in the weeks, a different, or the, the weeks a different color based on, you know, their judgment of whether or not it was a good week or a bad week or if they used that week well. And I think that that's super interesting. And I want to know how you guys are using your 4K Weeks posters. And, and, and I want to give you permission. I don't know if you need it, but I want to give it to you 
to do interesting things with your 4K Weeks poster to make it more of a living tool. Because I think there's a risk that you hang it on the wall and three years later, it's less of a motivator. But if you're interacting with it on a weekly basis in a way that colors your perception of it, that's going to make it more of a relevant tool. And I'm after relevant tools. Like I, I want... I want to find big levers in my life that move me in the direction that I want to go. And so send me a picture, email me a picture of your poster and, um, and maybe I'll share it, you know, on our social media or, or in the newsletter so that other people can benefit from your unique ideas on how best to keep the poster a relevant part of your life, motivating you to achieve things. Um, and as always, my email address is spencer at 4kweeks.com. So send that to me and uh, I want to see it. That would be super, super duper awesome. Okay, what am I thinking about this week? This one, I, this one might, might be a little controversial. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's not controversial. Um, religion. I was thinking about religion this week. I'm going to take a sip of coffee. The only reason I called that out is because I really needed a sip of coffee and I just record this straight through. I don't stop. It is just stream of consciousness. And so I didn't want you to wonder what I was doing. So religion. My good friend said this to me the other day and it was a profound insight. This is a quote. Some churches try to convince you that you are broken so that they can hard sell you Jesus. It's kind of gross. End quote. That was his quote. Some churches try to convince you that you are broken so that they can hard sell you Jesus. It's kind of gross. And I mean, I really feel like that's a profound insight because, you know, churches, as far as I know, are full of humans. Humans are not um, immaculate divine beings, right? All of us have shortcomings and flaws, some that we know about and some that we don't know about. And so it's important to uh, analyze motivations and incentives when you're dealing with people. So he was attending a baptism of a relative and he went with some other family members to their evangelical church for the first time. And he just, you know, he's a very observant person and he was just observing, trying to withhold judgment and trying to just take in information. And we talked about it for a while. We talked about all the psychological tools that they were using to take the agency out of the congregation and put it in the hands of the, of the priests or pastors or whatever they're called. And, you know, how um, everything you need is up here on this altar and, and in the words that we're telling you and we're interpreting for you. And, and, and you need to come here to get all this information and, oh, and dig into your pockets and give just enough cash that it hurts. That's how you will be saved. Right. And um, reminds me of that scene from the movie Fletch Lives where uh, where he fletches it in the evangelical, you know, televised evangelical service, which was kind of a, a, a moment in the 80s. Well, maybe it's still a moment, but it was a big thing back then where the guy says the priest says, uh, and if you only have one hundred dollars, don't be afraid to send the whole hundred. It's <laughs> just such a money grab. And I have no time for that uh, now. To be clear, Jesus of Nazareth had a lot of amazing thoughts and messages. I have nothing against Jesus. I am a fan of his. He clearly belongs in the pantheon of great human beings. A uh, little bit of background. I was raised Episcopalian, which for those of you who don't know is like Catholic light. Uh, and there is a lot of good stuff in the New Testament. And there are a few good bits in the Old Testament I don't go so much for vengeance and torture, but uh, there is still some good philosophy in there. But there is only one person 
and one person in the entire universe who is responsible for and able to bring about your salvation. And that person is not a Galilean Semite. And the reason I say Galilean Semite is because as hard as many people in the United States have tried, Jesus was a brown man. He was a, he was a Jewish man from Galilee. And so he was a Galilean Semite. And actually, the, there's a link in the newsletter to a forensic reconstruction based on skulls that are known to be contemporaneous with Jesus of Nazareth, where um, forensic sculptors made a likeness of what Jesus would likely have looked like. Uh, and it's a, you, should, you can Google it. If you Google Galilean Semite, it will come up. And it's a super interesting thing to think about. That was the philosopher. Uh, that's what he would have looked like. But it's the, the person, sorry, I got off on a tangent there. There's only one person responsible for your salvation. There is only one person responsible for um, whether or not you become a better version of yourself tomorrow. And that is you. And I would argue, if we're going to get into religious philosophy and religious history. If you believe the gospel of Thomas, which is one of the Gnostic gospels, um, and you know, the people who, uh, people who have their heart set on the way things, the way the story is currently told would tell you that those are not true gospels. Um, I want to acknowledge that. I, I understand what I am saying here um, because they were found much later and they were not written by firsthand accounts, et cetera, et cetera. I will have you remember, though, that all of the firsthand accounts were written 100 years after, 100 or 200 years after those accounts occurred. So it would almost be as if we were writing about the founders of the United States and their motivations without any written documentation. So it's a little strange, but... People do say that. But if you believe the gospel of Thomas, Jesus believed that too. Jesus believed that you were in charge of your salvation. Um, in the gospel of Thomas, Jesus says, if you bring forth what is within you, what you will find will set you free. And if you do not bring forth what is within you, what you do not bring forth will destroy you. Basically, the seeking is the salvation People who are looking and trying are going to save themselves. And so all the four books of the gospel that are not Gnostic gospels, they all promote a version of Christianity that largely centralizes power, right? So in John 10, 9, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved, right? You must come to the church for salvation. You, there is no way you can achieve it on your own out there. You have to come here, which is a pretty good deal for all of the power people, pow powerful people in those institutions. That's a really good deal if the foundational texts of our organization require you to come to us in order to get the most valuable thing. That's a pretty good deal. Fiat currency is another great example of that. Uh, and so the Gospel of Thomas's version of that, and there is a corollary in the... In, um, in the four, you know, quote, unquote, true gospels, there is a, a similar phrase about salvation where I think it's in John says that um, you, you, you come, you must come to us to find what is within you. Right. And, but the gospel of Thomas version is one that I can get behind, right? Bring forth what is within you and it will set you free. 
look, you are not any more broken than a bundle of two by fours. Like, sure, they used to be part of a tree, but their purpose is to build a house. So get to building. And I would just like to think, and it would be really fun to have a conversation with Jesus about this, because I would like to think that any savior worth their salt would want you to do the hard work of becoming the best version of yourself that you can become. And any kind of savior that is more focused on you kissing the hem of their robe is the fake kind. Truly divine beings do not want mortal beings to jump through hoops. And someone asking you to jump through a hoop is a clear indication that they are not divine. And I don't think that that's controversial. But I know a lot of people will. Okay, I'm going to leave it at that. I got a lot more to say about it. Um, But mostly it's just because there's thousands and thousands of years of the other side of it. (laughs) I just feel like um, if we can all be cool, we can all be cool. It's my foundational life philosophy. Um, I owe you the punchline to the dad joke. And it's a little different this week because I'm going to give you context on that too. My kids would tell you I can never stop giving context on things. But it's only because I want people to know. Um, Why couldn't the art dealer pay his rent? Because he ran out of Monet. (laughs) And Monet, of course, is spelled... M-O-N-E-T. And they say if you have to explain a joke that it wasn't funny, but I wanted to call out the double entendre. The only thing art dealers in the modern world can make money on are the old dead artists and the new rock star artists. But that's not art. That's capitalism. You should buy art from people in your town. I guarantee there are some world-class artists working where you live and that they would be forever in your debt if you became a patron of theirs, uh, buying uh, art that is that goes up in millions of dollars of value is um, that's just capitalism. It's just a different form of buying stocks. So it's not really art, and that's fine. It doesn't have to be art. This is not making a judgment here, a good or bad judgment. I'm just saying a truth. Okay, that's it for this week. Gosh dang it! I hope you have a spectacular week. I hope you realize that you are the number one driver of whether or not you have a spectacular week. Um, I want all good things for you. And I know that all good things come at the end of hard work. That's the truth in my life. Talk to you soon.